Good morning, all. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Sydney. Um, just a couple announcements before we get going. Um, the normal Fridays are off for two weeks, and the Wednesday women's study is off for two weeks. My study, I have no idea. I got to talk to myself before I figure that one out. So we might be on next week. We might not. I got to figure that one out. And the good Friday morning service is at 9 a.m. So if you get here at 10, well, you get here at 10, but you should get here at 9. So 9 a.m. Um, if you wouldn't mind, open your Bibles to the book of Esther. We're going to go through a bit of a history lesson, and then I'll get into, uh, we're going to, fit, we're going to uh, basically spend most of our time in chapter 4, but we're going to do a, a couple verses as we go through. Uh, we might just pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Uh, we ask that you would uh, speak to us this morning, Lord, open our hearts and open our eyes to see you more. Uh, we pray that uh, you would have your way, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we go through the book of Esther, it's, it's interesting that uh, this book never mentions uh, God's name. It never mentions prayer. It never even mentions faith. But it was interesting how the song, you never stop working. God never, he always is working behind the scenes, even when we don't see him. He's always working. He's always doing that stuff. And um, that can be true for a lot of our lives when we go through days and we just don't see God doing something. Or maybe even things haven't gone the way we wanted to. Um, difficulties happen to us. Um, but God is always working behind the scenes. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of background on history. And you know, as I said, you're going to get a bit of a history lesson today. Um, some of you uh, have gone to school and didn't like history. I, looking back, I wish I had spent more time uh, studying history in, in high school and in university um, because, wow, now that I, I've seen what the Bible tells me what happens and, and you can learn so much more. So we know that the children of Israel basically failed. They, they didn't do what they were supposed to do and God said, okay, you guys have gone into sin. You're going to go into Babylon. So they spend 70 years in Babylon, okay? And in 539 BC, the Babylonian Empire ends. Cyrus from the Medes and the Persian comes in, and he basically destroys the Babylonian Empire. And the Medes and the Persians now take over the world. Um, at the time that he does this, he gives a decree and he says, the Jews, you can go back to Jerusalem. Anybody who wants to go, you can go back and build the temple. So of the approximately 2 million people, only 50,000 go back, which is surprising. You would think that as a Jew, obviously a lot of these guys and girls had been born in Babylon. They didn't know anything about what it used to look like. There were some people there, obviously Daniel and some of the younger people who'd gone, they'd gotten older and they told them, but only 50,000 went back. And I was actually reflecting on this in prayer this morning about, you know, when we stuff up, you can always come back to God. And there are times when we stuff up and we we know we can go back. We're allowed to go back. Like Cyrus is like, you can go back and I'll give you everything you need to build the temple. Everything. Here it is. It's written down. It's for you. And yet, most didn't return. And God says the same thing to us. When we stuff up, come back. I, I've given everything to you. Just come back. And it, it just struck me that People decided to stay where they were instead of going back to him and moving forward. And that can happen so easily in our lives. We know it. We may even think about it, but we don't take the steps to do it. Go back. You know, Jesus said, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Forget about what you think. Forget about what my people might view you. 
you can go back because his word says, I take you in. I will move you forward. Without a temple, the Jewish people couldn't worship God in the way they were told to do so. So here they are, 70 years, they've got no temple, go back, and finally they could go back and worship God and, and be in his presence of what he wanted. So without that, there is no proper worship of God. We as Christians don't need a temple. Actually, even the Jews today, if you come to Jesus, you don't need a temple. He, we worship him in spirit and truth. So in, we're going to start now in the book of Esther. So again, verse 2, and Paul, I'll tell you when I get to verse 3. In those days when King Azuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel. So we're introduced to a guy called Azuerus or King Azuerus. Now, King Azuerus is about the fifth king who ruled since Cyrus took over. He's a real king. He's a real guy who ruled a real kingdom in this world. And we're introduced to him. Verse 3. That in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. So it tells us in the third year of his reign. So a lot of times when you read the scriptures, it's like, well, so it's great. It's in his third year, big deal. This actually tells us a date. It, it dates this. It tells us, it verifies that this is real. And his third year of his reign History tells us this is 483 BC. So 57 years have passed since the time that they could go home to when King Azuerus is ruling. 57 years, that's a long time. And he's ruling in Shushan, which is, if you, if you look at a map, you've got Jerusalem down here, Israel's down here. You go up north, you got Babylon, and a little bit west, you got Shushan, sometimes called Susa. So it's far away. It's, I think it's 900 miles, somewhere around there. Don't quote me on that one. So it's far away. It's not where the Jews should be. This is where his kingdom is, and he's ruling all of it. So he brings the officials to a feast, and he's, history tells us he's preparing for an invasion. Okay? So he brings them in, and he's showing off all his great wealth and everything. He's got all these beautiful colors and uh, majesty. And he gets to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm going to show off my greatest riches of all. I'm going to show off my wife and she's awesome, but I want you guys to see her. And most times in these days, uh, queens would be covered, things like that. But he decides, I'm going to show off my wife. And we're introduced to a new character, verse 11 and 12. To bring Queen Vashti, well, King Azuerus uh, gets his eunuchs to, uh, to bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious and his anger burned within him. So here he is in this huge uh, party bring my wife. And she said, no, I'm not coming. That's just wrong. What you're doing is wrong. So he becomes furious. And there's more to that story. But if you want to know more of these stories, well, then come to my Bible study. You got to give a plug because it's good to learn what goes behind the scenes. So she, he's furious and he's like, okay, what do I do? So he decides to, to ask his administrators, okay, what do I do? What do I do? So verse 9, he gets advice. Verse 19. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered. And Vashti shall come no more before King Azuerus and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So the advice is get rid of her. She's no more queen and get someone else to take her place. And he decides, 
I like that advice. I'll take that advice. So they go ahead and, and they basically start a beauty contest. It's the Persian beauty contest. They bring all the young, the young good-looking women in. And we're then introduced to Esther. And this is what the book of Esther is all about. Esther actually wins the beauty contest. Okay. So we're going to move to chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 5 through 7. In Shushan the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captive with Jokaniah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So verse 2, we're introduced to a guy called Mordecai. And we're told that Mordecai's, he's Jewish. Okay. And you see here, it says, he, um, he's the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, okay? And it then tells us in verse 6, Kish had been carried away to Jerusalem with the captives. So when you look at that, you got to think, okay, what does this all mean? So what it means is his great-grandfather was in Jerusalem when they all were taken to Babylon. Great-granddad was there. So a lot of time has gone past. So we know that it's King Azuerus, is king, and we're talking about that he has this party in his third year, it's 57 years. You got 70 years, they're in captivity. So you're talking, I'm going to say 130 years, roughly. 130 years have gone by that there's been no worship really happening much in Jerusalem, except for when they rebuilt the temple, okay? So his great-grandfather's there, we know from this that he's born in Persia, that Mordecai is born in Persia. He's born, he grows up there. He's heard of what the true worship is like, I'm sure, because he would have been told by his ancestors, but he's never seen real worship. Um, it also tells us he's in the citadel. So if he's in the citadel, that means he's got a privileged position, and he's an official, okay? All these things make up for who we, what we see in Scripture and tell us about what's going on. In the next verse, we're introduced to Esther. Her real name's Hadassah. And her mom and dad died. And she grew up with Mordecai. Mordecai took her in, and they're cousins. They, they grow up. That's not easy. That would not be easy at all to grow up with, with your uncle. And I'm sure there are times, and we, we talk about these things in, in, our, in our studies about what life would be like for, for a person who grows up. And I'm sure she could have those thoughts of blaming God. You know, where, where were you? Why didn't you save my mom and dad? You know? And all these different things that, that would go into any possible person's thoughts. Because when things happen... I don't know about you, but a lot of times we, why me? That, that happens. Why me? So life would not have been easy growing up with your cousin and not having no mom and dad. In verse 10, we see a little, little bit more difficulty. Esther had not revealed her people or family for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. So she's never told anyone that she's a Jew. She's living in the Persian Empire, and Mordecai says, don't tell anyone you're a Jew. Now, there's got to be a reason for that. We don't know the full reasons. A lot of this, again, this book, we don't see the name of God. We don't see faith. We don't see prayer. There's lots of stuff just not in here. But possibly, and we're going to see, there could be anti-Semitism. 
it could have been very dangerous for her to reveal that she's a Jew. I mean, we know that there's over 2 million because 50 years earlier, they, uh, or not 50, 2 million, only 50,000 went back. So they're interspersed throughout the area, throughout the whole region. But then there may be times when you're not supposed to reveal who you are. Now, we live in Australia. There's not too much here that could stop us and hurt us from being Christians. And we're told in Matthew chapter 10, I'll read this. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 30 to 30, 32. But the very heads, and this is Jesus talking, but the very hairs of your head are still numbered, are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus tells us we should stand up and be proud of who we follow. We follow Jesus. And we should not be hiding as undercover Christians. There may be places in the world today where it might be very dangerous. We don't live in one of those countries. But for them, there must have been a reason and anti-Semitism we're going to read was very real in that region. So verse 16 tells us a little bit more of chapter 2. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign. So Esther becomes queen, and it tells us here, in the seventh year, which is now five, uh, 479 BC. Okay? And there's a reason why I'm sort of giving you these dates, and we're going to explain it a little bit more. But it's, it's important to know dates. It's important to know history, because history tells us so much we can learn from. So, She's queen, and we're going to move on to chapter 3. In between the next verse, Mordecai is sitting in a position in the gate. He's a ruler. He's an official. And there's a guy called Haman we're going to be introduced to. And Haman is a person who hates Jewish people. He's an agite. So part of his ancestry and history is there's always antagonism toward the Jews. So he gets angry because everybody bows down to him except for this guy, Mordecai. Mordecai decides, I don't like you and I'm not going to bow down to you. And this agitates him and infuriates him. Okay. So chapter three. He's so furious. Chapter three, verse seven. And again, Guys, this isn't there, but I'll just read this. Um, in, the f in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, that is the lot, before Haman to determine the day and the month until it fell on the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. So it tells us again, it's now the twelfth month. Esther has been queen for five years. That's a long time. She would be very comfortable with she, She's very familiar with her settings. Five years. And now it's 65 years since the Jews have been asked, well, basically told, you can go back. And here she is, queen for five of those years. So we read now verses 8 and 9. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the, uh, for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So this person, Haman, is so angry, 
he decides to make a plot. And he decides, I know what it is. Let's kill all the Jews. I'm angry at one. I'm going to kill all the Jews. And Satan's got a plan in this because that's, he hates the Jewish people. All right. That's a whole nother story. And I've only got like 45 minutes, Ben, right? So we're not going to go there today. But he's crafty, this guy, Haman. In verse 8, he, he, he says there's a certain people. He goes to the king and says there's a certain people. He doesn't say the Jewish people. There's a certain people. So he's deceptive in his discussions with the king, which isn't very good. He then describes them and says, your laws are different to the others. And that's true. The Jewish laws were different than other people. Their laws were to put them on a higher moral plane than everybody else to be, to show God's love and God's judgment. So he was true in that. But then he says, they do not keep the king's laws. You're going, I'm not quite sure of that. Because for 65 years, these people have been living among the Persian empire. It doesn't seem to be much of an issue. And yet here he is, lies, deception, a little bit of truth and a half truth. And gee, doesn't that sound like Satan to us? He throws this stuff at us. We got to be careful. So in the king's eyes, he thinks this is a threat. And if a king sees a threat, let's get rid of the threat. That makes logical sense. And that's what kings do. So he says, stamp approval, you beaut, get rid of them. He doesn't tell them there's 2 million of them. He just says there's a certain people. And it's very deceptive. So now we're going to get to verse, or chapter 4. And we'll read through this whole thing as we go through. Give you a little bit of background. And it's important to understand the background of all this. 1 to 3 in chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So, wow, the decree goes out that every Jew is going to be killed and they respond, which in normal fashion, they are overwhelmed. This is the saddest thing they've ever heard and their lives are on the line. They're going to die and they're putting on sackcloth and sackcloth would be a, a, an expression of mourning. Mordecai publicly shows this and we're going to see why he does this. He goes as far as the king's gate, but he doesn't go in because the king is a person who he doesn't like to have bad news around him. He doesn't like bad news. So keep the bad news out. Everything's good. And so he goes as far as the gate and he's seen and he's seen by the public officials in this area. And all the Jews and the promises are just like, oh my goodness, we're all going to die. So verse four to six. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathak, one of his king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her. And she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Esther's notified. Esther has no idea. She's queen for five years, but her life is a one of isolation and she's insulated from everything. She just, she stays in her area and that's it. And we're going to see more about what it would be like for a queen. Cause we think, oh, queen, Oh my goodness, how good is that? She gets to be queen. Life as a Persian queen is not a great, great life. So she doesn't. Her, her, her servants and eunuchs come to her and say, 
Mordecai and they know they're related. Something's desperately wrong. He's wearing sackcloth and he's near the gate. Now, if he is seen by the king in this sort of state, well, guess what's going to happen? He's probably going to die because the king doesn't like that. So the first thing she does is send some clothes. Here, change your clothes. This is, you're, you're in trouble here. And he's like, no. So she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't even know the decree's going out. So she's sitting there and it comes back, the message, he's refused. And like, what do you mean he's refused? Well, then she gets her, one of her chief servants, Hathak, and says, Hathak, can you go find out exactly what's going on? Which is always a good thing to find out what exactly is going on. Because sometimes we can sort of just try and mask things and try to, try to find out what exactly is going on. And you know what the thing? When someone asks you what's going on, you actually have to tell them. I mean, I've got teenagers and I'm sure you guys is like, what's wrong? Nothing. I used to be like that too. You know, my sisters are, we used to come out to me and say, what's wrong, Bob? Nothing's wrong. Like, how stupid was I to actually think that I could, you know, just do it. But that's how we feel sometimes. But it's good to find out. It's good to tell someone. So she sends this, this hathek. And she has no idea what is going on here. So we move on to verses 7 through 8. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and that he might command her to go to the king to make supplication to him and plead for him for her people. So here he decides, okay, I'm going to, this is what's wrong. And it's not just hearsay. He gives a copy of the, she can read it herself. Here's the facts. Okay. Oh my goodness. The Jews are all going to die. And he does this to get her to do something. Like, huh? You want me, me to do something? This is, this is like even just learning what's going to happen. In 11 months time, all the Jews are going to die. Do something. It's you. So her response, her response is, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? Read 9 through 11. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. Wouldn't it be so nice to be Hathak? You're just running back and forth between people. But that's what her life is like. She can't leave. She's stuck. She's stuck in this palace. So this person has to run back and forth, back and forth. And could you imagine he's got to deal with Mordecai, who's just like distraught. Now he's dealing with Esther and she's heard this news. So he's stuck in the middle of this emotional roller coaster. Not easy. Verse 11. This is Esther speaking. All the king's servants and people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So she explains to him, Mordecai, I understand you're asking me to do something. You're asking me to go and plead to the king. She's like, are you crazy? You're not allowed to go into the king's throne room. You're not allowed to do this. And if you do, there is one law. 
And the thing about laws of the Medes and Persians, once they are in place, even the king can't reverse it. So like when he gave the, the decree that all Jews die, he can't say, oh, sorry about that. I'm going to change that law. No, the laws are the laws and they don't ever change. And this is why Mordecai is just like, are you kidding me? He would have known this. He's a ruler. He's, he's an official. He knows. Esther knows. Esther also knows the reason why she's queen is because the previous queen did something that the king didn't like. So you want me to go in there and the only way that I don't die is if he takes his scepter and rule. If it, it's sort of like he raises and says, it's all okay. It's all okay. And then he says to her, says to him, for the last month, I have not even seen the king. So you sit there thinking, ah, oh, king and queens, they're, they're together, they eat dinner together. And all. No, they do not. She hasn't seen him for a month. And I'm sure this happened all the time in her five years as queen. This is not a lovey-dovey relationship. She is, she won the beauty pageant and she's queen. That's it. So it, it's, it's a not an easy life. Imagine not seeing your husband for 30 days. And he's, you know, he's in, the, he's there. Sometimes he takes off. Sometimes he, he's home, but doesn't mean you're going to see him unless he says so. That's it. Difficult life. She's like, are you kidding me? How the heck am I going to do this? Why, why me? Why me? Can you use some, certainly somebody else because I don't, I haven't seen the king. And how can I do anything? I'm just, I'm just a, somebody who just happens to be here. And you know, that, that's often in our lives when things happen. Why me? Or can't you use somebody else? Especially when it goes to sharing the gospel. Somebody else can do it. Somebody else can do it. When Mordecai hears her excuses, he gives her some truths. And this is why it's so important to be in the word of God to get back to the truth. Because I can tell you, if you're anything like me, why me is something that happens often. Or can't you use somebody else? Certainly someone else can be used. I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I'm not experienced enough. Now, I've been teaching the Bible for like 23 years. I've read through the Bible. I, I can't tell you how many times. I know a heck of a lot. And I still have these feelings of, can't you use somebody else? That's just true. That's just true. And that's why it's so important to get back into the word of God, because these truths change me. If I didn't read the word, I can tell you, I would cower out way more than I ever do. I would be a coward in so many ways because I don't have the internal strength. I need his strength. I need his power to do these things. And that's what he gives us. So I, I cannot tell us. And every time I speak up here, I'm going to say the same thing. Get into the word of God and read it for yourself. It's good to come to Bible studies. It's good to come to church, but make the time for you personally to read and to, to God, what are you doing through this? Like personally, I'm just going through King David and you know, it, uh, just as a, this one stuck out to me just a couple days ago where David had the opportunity to hurt Saul and he didn't. Then he had the opportunity to do it again. He didn't. And then when he became king, these guys who decided I'm going to take some of the other generals and I'm going to kill them and I'm going to come back and give a head, a head to, to David and show him we're on your side. And David's like, you did what? No, don't hurt people. What are you doing? You're trying to get favor from me from what you do. And it was just a reminder to me that I need to be more gracious and, and loving and if I don't read the scripture, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It doesn't get into the scriptures. Have I told you guys you should get into the scriptures? Get into the scriptures. Get into a routine of reading every day. Here's the truth he gives her in verse 
12 through 14. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape from the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is a, a major scripture that you should remember. It's, it's, it's just such a powerful, powerful scripture. Verse 14. But first we're going to go to some of the truths he talks about. Verse 13. Number one, just because you're in the palace doesn't mean you're safe. Maybe she was thinking in her mind, well, I'm the queen, I'm in the palace, I'm safe. The decree is every Jew will die. You're Jewish, you will die. The king cannot go back on his word. That was a truth she needed to know. Number two, verse 14. If you stay silent, Esther, you need to know this. If you stay silent, God will save his people. Now, Mordecai knew that God would save his people. He was confident that God would save his people. But he goes, if you stay silent, it's very likely Jews will, Jews will die and you will die. If you stay silent, you're going to lose the, the privilege and the reward and the blessing if you stay silent. All she needed to do was to speak, take a step of faith, and the reward was there. This happens to us, I'm sure of it, all of the time. That God gives you something to say, and the choice is yours. What do I do? What do I do? Because God uses people to, to accomplish his stuff. He's sitting there going, listen, could God do anything in this? He's saying, yeah, God will do it. But he wants to use you, Esther. He wants to use you and me. He uses people to accomplish these things. And it's so easy for us to stay silent. And then verse 14. I'll read it again. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know the answer to that question? God knows. God knows. He's basically saying to her, Esther, take a good look at your life. Take a good look at where you are. Where you've come from, where you are, add it up. How do you think you got here? Who orchestrates the things of your life? Same as you and me. Right now, you are, you are a born-again Christian. You know God. That is amazing. There's no reason to think that God hasn't orchestrated everything for such a time as this. And this such a time as this could be every day. It could be a certain times in your life. But know that he's put you in a certain position to do something. We all work with people who don't know Jesus. We all live around people who don't know Jesus. We all interact with people who don't know Jesus. We even got family members who don't know Jesus. But he has put you, a person who knows him, in that position. That is incredible. Like, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? It, it, it would, it, think about that for, for just a while. Like, it's amazing that he has opened my eyes, some dope who grew up in New Jersey, who's now sitting here in Sydney, Australia. How'd that happen? You know, how'd that happen? I have no idea. But for such a time as this, where I can interact with neighbors, with workmates, my family's quite a far away, you know. But when I get the opportunity, I do it. 
But we're going to see what happens next because when Mordecai gives her truths, truths gave her encouragement. And that's what the scriptures do. They give us encouragement. It encourages us to realize, you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to God. But he can use me. He can do this. 15 through 17. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. She said, get lost. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. This is what the truths did to her. Go, gather all the Jews who were present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. How cool is that? She went from going, are you out of your mind? To, okay. She asked for help. She asked people to pray for her. That's an important thing for us. I'm a person who likes to be, I like to, I like to be on an island. I like, I'm very introverted. My wife always tells me you need to you know, get out and talk to people more and blah, blah, blah. But that's just who I am as a person. But I also know I need to know I need to ask for help. Ask people to pray for me, you know. And I'm thankful. I am extremely thankful. I wasn't going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I think I got this. You know, I, I asked you all to pray for me. And, and God helped me through a, a difficult circumstance last year. Um, but we need to ask people to help us and to pray for us. So she gets others involved. Um, she does something very, very strange. She says, my maids and I will, 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 will fast likewise. Like she gets a bunch of Gentiles and gets them involved. Which is, to me, it says that she maybe was sharing about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to these people in the place she lived. I don't know, like it doesn't tell us anything here, but it just seems strange. Like, why would they sit there? You want us not to eat for three days? All right. Like, what is that going to do? So you're just going to not eat for three days? You know? Again, this book doesn't say anything about prayer. It just doesn't say it. It doesn't even mention God's name. But fasting and prayer go together in a lot of things in Scripture. And so gets people praying. Brings God into the situation. And it's amazing when, when you bring God into a situation, that's a good, good thing. It, it is awesome to bring him in. And again, that's a choice that we make. Sometimes we don't, we just decide I can do this on my own. We got to bring him into the situation. I'll read the last eight verses or the first eight verses of chapter five, because this is quite cool. And this, 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 this is, this is cool. Verse one, now it happened on the third day and things just seem to be awesome in the scripture and they happen on the third day. You know, Jesus rose again the third day. It's just, you're going to see third day over and over again. And when you read third day, it should always remind you of Jesus. You're going to see it over and over in scripture when you're reading your Bible daily. Amen, everybody. Everybody's reading, you know, third day, third day, things happen. That Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on the royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. Verse 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court. Oh boy. Could you imagine the fear and trepidation? Oh, but she... she She's exercising faith. And I love this. A step of faith accesses grace. And so often we're going in our lives like, God, where are you? What about this? It's like, no, it's faith that pleases God. And when you take that step, he's like, oh, Bob, yes, I love it. Now, now, now we're, now we're cooking with gas. 
You know, now we're on. Take a step of faith. Faith accesses grace. It, it, is, it is amazing because that's, we, that's how we're pleased God by faith. Not by what we do, not by what we don't do, faith. But could you imagine what was going through her brain? You know, walking up there, and I'm sure she's going, if she were, if she were us today, she'd be going, okay, Jesus, I, know, I need you right now. I need you right now. Come on, Jesus. You know, help me. She is just like, because basically she could die in a moment's notice, in a second. But she takes a step of faith, and it tells us she found favor in his sight. Whoo! Could you imagine the relief that she would have felt right then and there? Unreal. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter, you beaut, that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of his scepter. That was a thank you, Jesus moment. Sure of it. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What do you request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. And Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, bring Haman quickly that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. And Esther said, answered and said, my petition request is this. And this is cool. If I had found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and, re and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I have prepared for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. We, we had a discussion in our Bible study about this. Why didn't she just say, save us, save us? And we don't know. We don't know. She took a step of faith and she didn't have the words. And something maybe that the spirit didn't prompt her at that moment to do something. But she took a step of faith. And she didn't feel like a fool because she didn't have the right words. And maybe we look at this and go, maybe she's just delaying another day. I have no idea. But I know one thing. She took a step of faith. And if you read the rest of the book, the results are awesome. Results are awesome. It's okay not to have the words. It's okay. But to take a step of faith, that was the thing that mattered the most. She sat there, like we could sit there and we can look at this and go, why didn't she just say, save my people? We don't know. And I've been in situations where I don't have the words. And I'm sure you guys have been in situations where you don't have the words. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't contradict ourselves or, or second guess ourselves or think we haven't lived up to God's expectations. Take a step of faith. He meets you. At the right time, he gave her the right words. That's what, that's what he does. So many times we think I need to be prepared. I need to have the right words. I need to have the, you know, the, 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 the spiritual laws down. I need to have the, no. He'll give you the right words at the right time, and he does. To close this, a step of faith is what he asks you to do. It's important to be in the word of God. And I'll close with this. Esther stays queen for a long time, okay? She has a stepson. His name is King Artaxerxes, okay, who comes to rule afterwards. King Artaxerxes done something amazing. He tells a guy, a priest called Ezra, 20 years after this date, and he says, Ez Ezra, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. Go back and establish this. I'm sure that Queen Esther 
had no idea that 20 years earlier that her step of faith to save her people would result in the really the rebuilding and the establishment of the of Jerusalem and Israel. And then 13 years later, a guy called Nehemiah goes back from this Persian empire because they grew up in the Persian empire, these guys. And he goes back and rebuilds the walls and he makes the kingdom and he makes the strength and God's light would go out again throughout the world. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. That a step of a, and again, how cool is God that he uses a woman to really change history? I, I love it. Changes history. Who would have thought she would have never had any idea that what was going to come down the future by taking a step of faith and God met her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that uh, even though Esther didn't have the words, you gave her the faith through truth. And thank you, Lord, that you never leave us. You never forsake us. You're working behind the scenes. As the song is saying, you never stop. You never stop working. And Lord, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know that you use people. You use us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us when... When we don't believe, Lord, help us to believe and help us to take those steps of faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.